Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church Sermon of the Week. This message by Associate Pastor John Reining is about how to hear the voice of God speaking to you. It's based on 1 Samuel 3. For more information about our congregation, visit our website, www.fpccolumbia.org. Reflect with me for a moment. Do you remember those years as a young adult? Namely, those years when you were just finishing or finished or looking forward to one day finishing school. Those days when adulting was on the horizon. Those years when you were seeing with so much potential the opportunities that lay before you. Business opportunities, occupation choices, spousal options perhaps, having children or not, uh, looking at grad school or not. How did you discern what you were going to do with your life? What, what made you choose the way you went? Or what was chosen for you, perhaps? I remember with my friends, when I was about uh, 20, I was finishing up college, my undergrad, and I had a circle of friends who, we were all students at Redeemer, my undergrad. We were all going in very different directions, but we all knew that we wanted support in whatever direction we went, if that makes sense. We didn't feel comfortable saying, God is going to tell me to do this or to marry that person or to move to this place without someone else saying, yeah, that makes sense. One of my friends was uh, the Christian Casanova of our class, if you will. He was discerning who to date, looking for a future spouse. Another friend was convinced he was going to end up in Western Canada building houses. He had a business plan. He knew he was going to have five children, um, he just didn't have the spouse to go along with that plan or any way to fund it. He's there now, though, and has five kids. It's, it's impressive. We'll say God was with him in that choice. Another friend was uh, trying to go to seminary, but he had a wife and two children and needed to pay bills. And so he was running the small town that he lived in, the co-op. He, he was running the store. Another friend of mine had recently divorced his, uh, his wife, um, who happened to be my ex-girlfriend's sister, and there was lots of weird connections, but it's small community, small college. But he was discerning uh, whether or not to move to South Africa, to Amsterdam, and, and he was selling his flat and his business that he had in the town that we lived. And I was wrestling uh, with my identity as a gay man who felt called to ministry. We all had very different things going on in life. And we spent a lot of time talking about it and praying about it and asking God for some sense of guidance. What do you do when you need guidance? 
How do you listen for God? With my friends, some of us like to pray. There were times when we liked to be in a circle and praying for one another and hearing what God would say through the words that were being prayed. This morning in our Sunday school class, we talked about hearing God speak as we read Scripture. Certain phrases that would never jump out to us unless, unless God wanted us to notice them. Or in the actions of our friends and neighbors, our community around us. God speaks to people in many different ways. And no matter what season of life, what significant or seemingly insignificant decisions are in front of us, it's always nice to have a word of affirmation as we make those choices. We came, my friends and I used to joke, we had one really important thing that we really just wanted God to do, and and we didn't think it was too much of a, a demand. We just wanted something very clear. A neon sign is what we joked. We wanted God to give us a neon sign. God doesn't really use neon very often. But God does speak clearly at times, doesn't doesn't God do that in, in amazing ways? Samuel has a story of just shy of a neon sign, doesn't he? Let me step back for a moment. Let's look at this story. What was happening when Samuel was in the temple? Well, Eli was the main priest at that point, one of the oldest, one of the longest-serving priests at the tabernacle. One day while he was working, while he was keeping watch over things, over people worshiping, a woman came in in absolute distress. He thought she was drunk. She was incomprehensible. She could not be consoled. She was just a mess. She prayed that God would give her a son. She promised, this was, this was her deepest desire, was to be a mother, was to have a child. And she promised that her firstborn would be dedicated to God, given to work in the temple. She left seemingly comforted. Eli didn't know what he did, but she was happy, and so he blessed her on her way. Samuel was that child that was born to that woman. Samuel, at, the, at a young age, was then given to the temple to work in the temple, and so he served with Eli. Eli had two sons who were very capable in working in the temple. However, they were very wicked young men. Eli would do most of the work, and as he aged and wasn't able to keep his eye on things, his sons started to steal from the temple, from the tabernacle, rather. And so, Eli's sons, and Eli knew this, were doing awful things, but Eli did not correct them. Samuel came to serve and helped Eli in his aging times, in his aging years. He was losing sight. He wasn't as mobile as he once was. 
at the time that Samuel was about this age, he was a boy, so we estimate he was probably 11 or 12. He hadn't done his bar mitzvah yet. Um, that's when young men become, or boys become men, right? So this 10-year-old was helping Eli, who was in his 90s, mid-90s likely. Helping him around, communicating to people when Eli couldn't hear them or couldn't speak or was sleeping. A few verses after this passage, we find Eli's sons are killed. Eli, in shock, falls over, breaks his neck, and dies. It wasn't a very good day for Eli and his family. But what that really meant was that the tabernacle was left without much leadership. This entire family was wiped out. Who was serving under Eli? Samuel. Samuel would become one of the great prophets of Israel, leading the people, teaching the people. But before he got there, he had to know who God was. At the age of 11 or 12, he was still a child. He did not know who God was, really. I mean, which is, we remarked in our class this morning, it sounds funny to think that he was sleeping beside the Ark of the Covenant and didn't know who God was. Nonetheless, as he's lying, sleeping, he hears someone call his name. Obviously, it's that old man. So he runs over to help Eli or do whatever Eli needed to have done. Eli says, boy, go back to sleep. It was not me. Three times. And that's when Eli realized God was calling Samuel. What's remarkable here is that God did it a fourth time. Throughout Scripture, we see three as a number of wholeness, something that happens time and again, but God is persistent. God had something to say. A fourth time, God came to Samuel and said, Samuel. And then he responded, speak. The words that were imparted to Samuel in that moment were drastic. It says anyone who would have heard them, both ears would tingle. It wasn't very good news. It was a prophecy of what was going to happen to Eli and his family. That Israel would be punished for their wicked ways. Nonetheless, Samuel shared those words, hid nothing from Eli. We learn in this story a few things, or I, I noticed perhaps something, three particular things. God had been speaking, but people had not heard. Visions were not seen. God's voice was not heard by people throughout throughout Israel. But God was speaking. 
Samuel, Samuel. That fourth time, God continues to speak, and God will continue to speak, but we need to hear it. Samuel did not hear it until he recognized that he was hearing God's voice speak. The second thing was ignoring God's voice doesn't really help. God was going to say something. That persistence is clear. God had tried to speak to Eli, and he ignored what Eli was saying. Sorry, Eli ignored what God was saying. God told Eli that his sons were wicked, and Eli ignored it. And so God told the next person that would listen, Samuel. Ignoring God's word is a choice, but it has consequences. And God's word would still be heard. Third, Samuel needed to be taught to respond to God. He needed to be taught how to listen, how to hear what God was saying. We need to be taught. We need to practice. We need to remember and constantly say to God, speak. Your servant is listening. Not because God needs to be prompted, but because we need to be reminded that We are called to listen. This morning, one of the questions we asked to that point in our class was, who was your Eli? Who taught you to pray? Who taught you to listen for God speaking in the world? Maybe a better question is to take it a step back and ask, how do you listen for God? Do we listen to God? The practices that we implement in our prayer lives, in our spiritual lives, are so incredibly important to our spiritual growth and to our growth as a community, to our, our spiritual wellness as a community of faith. That's why we're practicing these disciplines during Lent. When I was in college and with my friends, we used to joke that we would ask God to tell us what to do with our lives. We'd ask God, give us those neon signs. Ultimately, we would figure out what we, wanted, what we were called to do, not by what we wanted to do, because, but by the thing that we did not want to do. God often called us to the most difficult, to the most uncomfortable, and to the most outrageous ideas that actually made sense. Perfect example. I was a math student living in downtown Hamilton, Ontario, serving in an urban ministry context 
And the least likely idea that made sense to me was to move to New Jersey to study theology at a graduate school that was way out of my league and leave everything I knew and loved behind. Yet, that idea, this sense of call was so precise and so it required so much reliance on God that I felt called to follow it. That is not something I would have done had I not taken time to practice listening for God. That I, if I had not spent time with my circle of friends, my spiritual mentors and peers, praying, asking God for guidance. We need to practice the art, the habit, perhaps, of listening for God, of hearing God, of listening to God, and in acting and following through on what God is telling us. Our congregation is at a point where this is a time that we can listen and that we should be praying and listening for God's word and God's direction and God's voice as we discern what we are called to do and be in this season of of life that we are in as individuals, but also in the life of this church. Who are we? Where are we? And what is God calling us to be in this time and place? What God is calling us to do, I don't know yet. But we are at a point where we can ask those questions, where we should ask those questions. Session has, uh, has with Marvin and I, uh, we've, we've invited some colleagues to come and do some listening sessions colleagues that come from the outside so that they can sit with us as in small groups, that we can sit and talk and hear what God is calling us to be. What is God doing in your life? What is God doing in the life of your family? What is God saying to you? We need to be prepared to spend time in reflection, listening to God. If you don't already, if you haven't already, I encourage you to add this to your weekly prayer life, to your weekly daily devotion. At some point in the next few days, listen for God. Silence isn't exactly the most comfortable thing, It's even more awkward when we do it as a group. If you've ever been to a Quaker meeting house, this is incredibly awkward the first time. They sit, and instead of having a sermon, they sit in silence for 15 minutes, or longer in some cases. Five seconds is awkward enough, is it not? But we have a tendency to fill space. We have a tendency to talk and to ramble in our prayer lives, in our individual lives, in our communal lives, even just with one another in our families, our spouses. 
I invite you in the next few days to practice time in silence. To ask God to speak. That the Spirit might direct you, direct your words, direct your thoughts, direct, direct your mind. That God would give you a moment or a vision for what God is calling you to do. For what God is calling your family, this family, this community to be, to do in this season, in this time. Of course, God doesn't only speak in silence. Take time to find a way that God speaks to you. If you can't name that, that place or that space, that activity that is particularly meaningful for you and for your spiritual life, try some things. Try listening to music Try to pray through a psalm. Spend time in prayer with someone or for someone. God speaks, <clears throat> God speaks to us in a host of ways and in a host of places. If we only listen, God might have something very special for us to hear. Audra mentioned that today we celebrate in the Presbyterian Church. If we had a patron saint of some kind, it would be Mr. Rogers, of course. Um, But he wrote many poems and had many wise words, as simple as, Many of them were. So I want to leave you with a poem that he wrote and shared 50 years ago, almost to the day, uh, on his show. It's called, What Can You Hear? What can you hear when you close your eyes? When you close your eyes and listen a while. Can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear the love, the anger, the joy, the sadness, the fear? Can you hear the whisper of someone who wants to be very near? What can you hear when you close your eyes? Can you hear a birdie singing a song in the skies? Can you hear? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening. If you found this message inspiring, we invite you to support the mission of First Presbyterian Church with a financial gift. Go to www.fpccolumbia.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Peace be with you.